Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. A little over 30 years ago now, um, Christians across the country who were concerned in local communities about um, teen pregnancy, that was the language of the day, all right? So there was a concern nationwide about teen pregnancy. I know this because in the community where I lived in the late 1990s, um, an effort, you know, rose up to address, like, how could we address the teen pregnancy challenges faced in our own rural community? And at that point in time, there was a lot of conversation about um, generational, like this is happening because this is almost like a learned behavior, right? Like there's this generations of this in particular communities. And so, you know, we, we started a teen center, a teen drop-in center and those kinds of things that were preventative. We also in our community stood up an effort to um, support young women who became pregnant and you know, we're choosing, thankfully, to have those babies. And so it was a little bit of a comprehensive effort. And so why am I talking about this today? Well, because the first organization in the country to apply for and receive um, federal funding and state funding for what we would now call like crisis pregnancy centers, um, we would call them um, any any sort of um, system of care, a charity that is designed to um, provide like a maternity home, support and housing for pregnant women, these kinds of things. So the first one in the country was called Real Alternatives, and it's based in Pennsylvania. Well, Real Alternatives is in the headline news today because um, Pennsylvania is now planning to end its longstanding contract with Real Alternatives um, to supply subsidy subsidies, financial subsidies to support what the state of Pennsylvania now views not as, um, you know, pro-positive family efforts, but what they are now describing openly as anti-abortion counseling centers. And so this is going to lead to um, the defunding of many of uh, of the maternity homes, um, the the pro-life counseling efforts across the state of Pennsylvania. So this is going to come as a shock to um, people who run maternity homes, including Catholic Charities and many, many others. Um, their, their Real Alternatives has served um, 350,000 women in 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 all kinds of um of spaces and locations across the state of Pennsylvania and um over the course of time Pennsylvania has provided uh well uh, uh, this in this past year I'll just use this past year as an example um in the past year Pennsylvania 
supplied about $7 million in funding distributed across more than 70 um, centers that Real Alternatives is networked with, pro-life centers across the state of Pennsylvania. So that's $7 million in funding uh, for those 70 different pro-life efforts across the state of Pennsylvania is going to evaporate at the end of the year. Um, that's a terrible sign of the times. It's also a real opportunity for Christians to put their money where their mouth is. Um, there are plenty of Christians across the state of Pennsylvania who don't need to be funding things that, uh, that are purely secular efforts, secular sources and, and, and secular efforts like the government um, can be supporting things that only secular money can support. Pro-life money needs to be actively and intentionally supporting pro-life causes. It's just that simple. Uh, And so you can look at this headline news story about the state of Pennsylvania essentially defunding pro-life efforts um, and maternity centers across the state of Pennsylvania. Or you can say, all right, you know what? Uh, Christians in Pennsylvania and elsewhere, it's time to step up and start funding those efforts um, that, that we know support life. Um, So organizations that can only get funding from people of faith must now be our priority as people of faith. That's That's the bottom line here. Organizations that can only get funding from people of faith must now be the priority of people of faith in terms of where we give our um, financial support. So let me say I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the financial support that we receive here at Faith Radio. Obviously, it only comes from believers because gospel advancing ministries are supported by people who understand uh, that the that the advancement of the gospel is um, is necessary and and essential and important in the generation in which we live. So thank you so very much. Dr. Matthew Sleeth is going to join us next. We're going to talk about gratitude. We're going to talk about gratefulness. Being grateful is the 10th pillar of uh, of the faith in our ongoing series with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Matthew Sleeth is back. We are talking about the 10 pillars of our faith. Matthew, good morning. Great to be with you, Carmen. And I'm just going to start off by saying what I'm thankful for, for here. Uh, you and I are on the radio. And radio licenses are given by the government. And right now you have one, but that could be taken away. And so I'm grateful that you and I can speak about the Lord on on radio still <laughs> at this moment. I'll just start off there, okay? Amen. Amen. I think that making a gratitude list and the things that we're grateful for, um, I saw, uh, I was in the parking lot of the grocery store yesterday at the end of the day, and um, I saw, uh, you know, a guy in a, he's in a plumbing truck and, you know, he's got his shirt on with his, you know, his name and, and embroidered on the front and he's loading bottled water into the back of the van. And, um, and I said, Hey, thank you for all the good you did today. And he, he looked at, he just paused and he just looked at me and I said, look, I know you did, you did so much today for other people that they couldn't do for themselves. And trust me when I tell you, people are so grateful for you. And he, he smiled and he said, you know, I do what I can every day. And I said, you know, that what you're doing is so, I'm so, I'm, I'm thankful for indoor plumbing and plumbers. That's like on my gratitude list. 
Oh, I'll tell you, I, if you would just start from the tip of your head and go down, um, you know, everyone that's listening that has glasses on, mm. if you lived in another day and age, you, you wouldn't be able to read uh, or see in the distance. Uh, just uh, modern dental work is mm. such a blessing. And, you know, we live in an age of miracles in which people yawn and are bored with them. We don't need more miracles. We don't need more wonders. We get. We need a greater sense of wonderment and gratitude, and and that just readjusts uh, our our vision to see God at work. I think, uh, Carmen, can I tell you something that happened when I was a brand new Christian? A nurse turned to me and said, uh, "Matthew, you know, you've got a really cynical attitude," and I and I did. She wasn't trying to hurt me. She was trying to help me. I was my brand new Christian, and I had a brand new sister trying to help me. And I started by by keeping a gratitude uh, journal, and every day I would write down something I was grateful for. And at the beginning of my walk with Christ, it was, frankly, hard sometimes to come up with something. Over, over a period of time, that gratitude list of the one thing every day uh, morphed into something that wasn't just gratitude. It, it morphed into a list of miracles of being able to see God at work. And I think gratitude changes our vision and allows us to see God at work. It's one of the, the greatest gifts of gratitude is the ability to see God. Okay, so I've got a list now going. Uh, radio and FCC licenses and listener support, indoor plumbing and plumbers, modern dental work and dentists, and painkillers. Related to that, I think, and ice and the ability to make ice, because if you've ever had dental work, you might have had to wrap your head in ice to bring down the swelling. So this that 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 dental list could be pretty long. And then electricity, electricians, engineers, all of these are and the Internet. When you talk, when you start, when you start down this list. Right. And you could start at the top of your head and go to the tips of your toes, but you could also just look around and and everything that you touch and see. And taste, I'm coffee would be on my gratitude list. I don't know. Can my gratefulness list be that seemingly silly? Is that okay? It's it it can well God numbers the hairs on our head. He cares about every tiny little detail. And so to thank him for his graciousness and all those details, including one of one of the scriptures that you know I think we could use this morning is first Thessalonians. 516 and says rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances it doesn't say give thanks just when you feel like it uh for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you we have to even thank god for the hard times because Mm -hmm. when we're going through them we we want to get rid of them and when we look back on them as uh, a more mature christian we realize that many of those things were what god was using to shape us into a more mature uh, person. So even the bad times we should be grateful for. That reminds me of that um, life is a tapestry quote about the weaver's skillful hand and the threads of gold and silver in the pattern that he planned, um, but that those dark threads are needful um, as well. I know I don't have that, you know, off the top of my head quite right, but that's what you're talking about. Like I have to develop a, a an attitude of gratitude and an appreciation um along the way 
it's a little bit like looking at the cross and recognizing that I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. But that is a that is an awful, awful, awful thing to find myself grateful for. I mean, that's the um, that's a bit of the challenge of Good Friday, is it not? I mean, we call something good that is just so incredibly awful. So it's the worst day in all of human history, and yet it's the best day ever. So we're going to continue. There's, there's our no Easter morning without Good Friday. That's yeah, that's, that's the exactly thing. right. Yeah. So we're going to continue this conversation about being grateful. What are you grateful for this morning? How are you constructing your life um, uh, with this pillar of gratitude? If you want to text me, you're welcome to. Maybe there's a passage of scripture. Maybe there's a story you want to tell. Um, how has God got your heart in terms of gratefulness today? Uh, Text me, uh, 877-933-2484. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Matthew Sleeth, you can find him online at matthewsleethmd.org. Um, Matthew, Psalm 118.24 is a scripture we could bring to bear on the conversation about gratefulness. Yes, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I think uh, we as believers need to do a little bit more rejoicing, and maybe we need to do a little bit more of it publicly. Often I, uh, you know, might, might see or hear Christians and just kind of hear grumpiness and what, what's going wrong in the world. And I think we need to shout the praises of the Lord. And one of the things I think is really helpful in, uh, in, Gratitude is actually thanking people and doing that physically and sending physical thank you letters to those that have uh, helped us or that we've seen uh, do well and and to be an encourager in that way. If I would challenge uh, any listener that if they haven't ret- written a thank you letter in the last uh, week or two, uh, uh, I, I sure hope it's not a month that they've gone, but that they ought to, you know, get their stamp and envelope and paper out and, and put thanks to paper. And uh, if you need to even thank the Lord, write it down what you're thankful for. I think it's a helpful thing to write things down. Um, actually getting like a physical thank you note has uh, a tremendous amount of power in the culture today. And so if you are thinking about particular ways that you can um, really make the gospel stand out amidst all of um, the, you know, the the noise and rhetoric of the generation in which we live. Uh, a heartfelt thank you note is actually uh, a wonderful way to do that. And if you were to 
you know, find a way to include a Bible verse in that, that might be an opening to a conversation with with somebody else down the road as well. Um, when you think about thank you notes, Matthew, um, what's, uh, you know, it, it, do, you, do you have a story about receiving one or about sending one that had, it, just in the act of writing it and sending it or the act of receiving it just really changed your perspective on a particular event or day or season of life? Absolutely. Uh, I wrote a book, uh, Reforesting Faith, and the first letter that I got from it was uh, from a man who said, I'm a forester and I'm a Christian, and I've always wanted a book like this. And he just went on and on thanking me. And then he said, by the way, this is the last book I'll ever read. I Mm. don't think I'll make it past this week. I have cancer. And to think about somebody who's so grateful in life that they would write a letter on their deathbed to encourage somebody is just, you know, that that I get to have people like that as brothers and sisters is just amazing. And I think of John Wesley's last thank you or encouragement letter, his last letter that he wrote on his deathbed was to a young man named William Wilberforce uh, to keep up his battle that he was involved in ending slavery at that time. And so I think even on our deathbed, we can be thankful. Um, Gratitude never should stop. And it's such an encouragement to people. I got a got a letter from somebody about uh, the book that I wrote about suicide that I um, hadn't heard from for 35 years. She'd babysit our children when she was little and she said you invited us on a picnic uh invited her on a picnic she said you've probably forgotten that i exist but i was thinking of ending my life then and that turned me around so i think this um gratitude uh is uh, just integral to uh, the love that we have from christ and that we should um uh, we should we need to work at it because we we live in a, a very ungrateful time i believe and uh mm. and and that's just not not the attitude of a christian we should just be grateful uh for everything that the lord is uh, sending our way it's an incredibly um practical idea it doesn't cost much it also um gives me uh gives me reason to drop in in the actual post office and talk to my actual postmaster i i love going to the local post office and um, and you can just go in and get one stamp. And you know what? If you take a child in there, they will find it the most mysterious of experiences because they, they've never bought a stamp and they've never addressed an envelope. And there can be a generational teaching that takes place here. And then we could talk about the letters um, in the Bible and how they were transported and transmitted and sent and how we are recipients of them and how they are letters of God to us. And there's really an endless uh, application here uh, in the conversation about sending a simple thank you note. So, um, and, and ab- absolutely, and and I will I will set you up for this. Uh, you 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 said that you're having a fun drive. The mm-hmm. way to say thank you, um, and and I believe people should thank you for the work that you do, Carmen. It's just beautiful to listen to you, and your encouragement is. Uh, it takes uh, Xerox machines, Paul, your engineer behind you, all these people um, helping that need to make a living. And so I would just urge people to say thank you and to put a check in as well to you. So, oh, Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for that encouragement. Um, 
yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure we say thank you enough uh, to the Lord, to the people of the Lord who serve us in his name, uh, and to our fellow travelers along the way who um, whose simple acts of kindness and whose companionship in the journey is is absolutely a buoy to us. And um, you are among them on my list. I I loved reading Reforesting Faith. We talk about it frequently in our family. We're tree people. Um, I mean, one of the things that we reflect on is, you know, look at all those shades of green. Like, doesn't matter what season it is, right? Like, look at all those shades of green. Look at the changing shades of colors out there. God didn't have to do that. Like, he didn't have to do that. There could just be one kind of tree with one kind of leaf and how boring that would be. And yet, what God didn't have to do it the way he did it, but I'm so grateful that he did. There you go. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. Hey, thank you so much. Um, you can listen to the entirety of our 10 Pillars of the Faith series. We talked to Dr. Matthew Sleeth, um, you know, month after month. And so you can visit him, MatthewSleethMD.org. He's also on Facebook and Twitter. He's written great books, um, and he's a wonderful conversation partner. So check out what, what he's up to um, in life and ministry as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Well, we all know that the earth is not flat. The earth is not flat. So when I describe to you the advancing edge of the gospel, you literally have to think about the whole world, the globe, and the continuous nature of it. It is a sphere. Um, it, it proceeds in every direction all the time. You can't, you can't ever work your way around the whole thing because by the time you get around the whole thing, um, that place has changed because those people have changed. Times have changed. So when we, uh, when we talk about the advancing edge of the gospel, when we talk about Matthew um, uh, saying in, or Jesus saying in Matthew twenty four fourteen, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Um, when the disciples of Jesus started in Jerusalem and then went to Judea and Samaria and took the gospel to the, quote, ends of the earth. Um, this is an ongoing project. It's never, it's, it's never accomplished because by the time the people of God traverse in every direction, uh, times have changed, people have changed, circumstances have changed, and the gospel is needed afresh and anew. So it's not as if the church in one place can ever like become the um the centerpiece of the whole conversation the, the literally the churches that received letters that we describe um as you know the book of ephesians or philippians or on and on and on those churches don't even exist today like it, certainly not in the same way that they existed in the days in which the letters were first written and so the gospel has advanced from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the, quote, ends of the earth. And then it advances again. And some of the places to which it advanced and then from which it advanced, it has to arrive again. Like, we need to be re-evangelized. The church needs to be replanted in places where ground has now grown fallow. I think here about the hundred years during which Presbyterians here in the United States of America sent 
missionaries, particularly uh, to, to South Korea, but all over the world. Do you now know that the Presbyterian Church in the United States of America needs to be re-evangelized in many ways? And guess who's sending missionaries to America? Presbyterians and other places around the world. So when we talk about the advance of the gospel, when we talk about the kingdom of God, when we talk about the church and its, um, uh, its expression in the generation in which we live, we cannot, we cannot imagine that we are the ones doing it right with all of the answers and everyone else around the world must do it the way we do it. Because frankly, if you look at the church in North America, <laughs> we're broken. And so um, we're going to have a conversation, another conversation with Jeff Christofferson. The book is Once You See, and we have arrived today at the seventh temptation, and that is a temptation of paternalism to imagine that we are the ones who are going to tell everybody else in all the world how to do church, how to be church, um, instead of understanding that this is, a, uh, this is a traveling experiment called the advancement of the gospel. So uh, we're going to talk about the kingdom corrective to paternalism. Next, the book is Once You See. Jeff Christofferson will join us here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Jeff Christofferson is uh, back with us today. Uh, the book is Once You See. You know it's my uh, favorite novel of the year, Seven Temptations of the Western Church. Um, and we arrive today at the seventh of the temptations, and that is paternalism. Jeff, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. It's great to be with you, Carmen. Thanks so much. Appreciate the later time slot here. Got to sleep in. You totally go from, like, teaching to preaching to meddling when <laughs> when we arrive at number seven, which is paternalism. Um, we do train pastors around the world. We do supply resources for people around the world. We, um, you know, we are, we are generous uh, to our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Mm-hmm. We are planting and building churches uh, in places that are remote. So this is not about failing to be generous and partner in ministry. So what is this about? This is this is about um coming with it coming to grips with the fact that uh I was listening to your lead in, I think you nailed it, coming coming to grips with the fact that we have um got to a point where the gospel is not really seen as good news in many of our churches where the um the power of what god is doing is is can be explained in a business plan and um and in what we're seeing around the rest of the world um where just in a generation and a half um we've watched christianity go from a fledgling um almost in in some cases almost extinction to a global powerhouse and um and we're now two-thirds of christians don't live in the west and in a very f- short time it'll be like over 70 percent of christians um are are located outside of the west and and the place where the gospel is moving the most powerfully and the most quickly is outside of the west and so for us to have the hubris to say we're going to come and teach you how it's done uh it probably is is uh well it's hubris and um 
And uh, and so what some people say, you know, make sure what you have works before you export it. And uh, and I think that's something we need to pause and think about. What um, what can I as uh, a Christian in the United States of America learn from a brother like Omar? Hmm. So uh, Omar is a character in in the book, and um, he was a, uh, a Muslim law student who comes to Christ through the the testimony of a fellow law student. Um, he he is admitted into the secret church in Yemen and the underground church, and um, and then in the short order, because of his faith, uh, is persecuted and um to to the point of almost death and um and he ends up through a miraculous and again this is key because this is really strange to have god stories it seems like in the west but it's commonplace in the global church uh he is rescued and um and ends up in in north america in in as a as a person who looks at our churches and can and, and sees it actually uh, in the first blush as wow this is something aspirational i see all these facilities all this money all this uh infrastructure and uh in short order realize well i see all this stuff but i i feel oceans away from jesus and um and and the the life that he had once lived in terms of in the midst of persecution of uh, seeing the very power of God and that's what Scripture says in First Corinthians the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but a matter of power he he goes where is the power and um, and so in our cities it, all over we have Omar's driving Ubers washing dishes and trying to connect with our churches and um going i i don't i don't get it and uh and so there's there's a struggle and we don't know how to embrace those people and uh and i think one of the be be best things maybe a christ follower might do is go find a global christian somewhere that's in your city and um and stop you know thinking how i could teach this person something and just begin asking questions and uh, and see what see what you might learn. Um, I I love him. I love um, the authenticity of his willingness to be honest, even when it costs him a lot. Um, even when there would be great advantage to forgetting uh, the power of God mm. and. And just accepting um, all of the bells and whistles of the the Western Church and its ways, um, I think that this encouragement to find a global Christian and start asking questions would transform us, um, and it would begin to transform the experience that we have in in our churches in in North America. Um, it's also potentially, you know, very disruptive and. I think that that's a part of this that that we resist. That's that's the part mm. we resist in the whole project. I mean, I, Jeff, I think you know that, right? Like as I yeah. as I read, um, once you see and I reflect on it, 
you know, I know it's true. There's just no question. Like I, I, I want it. I want it. And then I, and, and then I say to myself, how, how can I get from where I am and the reality of the rhythms of church in my own community? Like, how do I get from here to there? And what you're saying is just start by going and seeking out a global Christian and start asking questions. That seems like a, uh, that's, that's less scary than mm. um, what I might have been afraid you would suggest. <laughs> well, the, I mean, for us to embrace something new, um, we have to unlearn before we can relearn. And it's been my experience having this conversation now for decades, seeing people go from kind of relearning um, the, the unlearning really can't happen until our minds have been blown with a, uh, a better picture. And um, in fact, the, the Bible uses a word called metanoia, meta meaning change and noia meaning mind. We've changed our mind. We, we translate that word into repentance. And, um, and, and in our culture, we kind of associate repentance with shame. And, um, and for many of us, shame isn't the right response. We're, we're doing what we know what we're supposed to do. We, we're doing what, we, what we've learned, what, the only thing we've seen. And, um, but metanoia doesn't speak about that. It speaks about we have a picture now that is so much better, so much more intoxicating, that the old is, is, is this vapid nothingness that, that I just don't even want to really, I can't get excited about it because I am so engrossed with, with what God has just shown me. And uh, so I don't know how we get from unlearning to relearning without metanoia, without this repentance, without us um, actually having a, a kingdom corrective, a kingdom picture of what Jesus' intention was from the beginning. And that is that the church doesn't exist for itself. The church is Jesus's mission. And um, it's his body, and his body needs to look like himself. And uh, and we can't get there as long as we have sort of have this, the only thing, the default mode as church, as corporate organization. And uh, and that's where we are in the West, and uh, and that's why we have no power. We we um, we we actually encourage non-power. <laughs> we you take a look at our spiritual gifts and. Um, and how do we find our spiritual gifts? Well, well, they're not spiritual. Um, uh, we we do a personality test, and we say, and you know, in this situation, would you one, two, or three? And we we say two, and we do two hundred questions, and we fill it out, and we find out what our comfort zone is, what our how to live in the flesh, how to be a carnal Christian. We baptize that and call it a spiritual gift. And uh, in fact, the spiritual gift is just the opposite. It is what I'm in my weakness when the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, take the step of faith. And I take this step of faith and I see God's power. And uh, and I, 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 I do that over time. And I begin to associate, wow, every time I, I, I step in my weakness, I see kingdom power. And, um, and that's the meta-narrative scripture, isn't it? And so we have formed a uh, a corporate version that actually protects us from the power of God walking or about walking in faith 
and uh, and I don't know how we get out of that until there is a, a an intoxication with a different way. Could you look past the um, the scars and the stigma of a refugee to see the divine opportunity standing squarely in front of you? That is going to be the question um, before us mm-hmm. as we consider what it looks like to be kingdom people in the midst of the kingdoms of this world um, and as quote-unquote church people in the midst of the advancement of the gospel, which has newly arrived on the North American shores, and it has arrived by people who have experienced Christ around the world. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Christofferson. Temptation number seven is paternalism. The book is Once You See. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night, download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. So when did the gospel arrive where you live and how did the gospel arrive where you live? Um, how did you intersect with the good news of the gospel. Um, I was asked this question the other day by a global Christian in my community uh, who said, uh, you know, so what do you think? When did the gospel arrive in Egypt? Now, he happens to be a Coptic Christian, so I was pretty sure it was a trick question. And I said, well, it's my understanding that, uh, you know, Mark the Evangelist, um, you know, very, very soon after uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, you know, makes his way uh, to bringing the gospel uh, in this particular way to this place. And um, and so, and we talked a little bit about uh, Alexandria and, you know, this, the, the, the great history of, of Christianity in, in Egypt. And then, and then he said, it, it, I have something for you. The gospel arrived um, uh, in, in, in the person of Jesus um, when he was just a wee we child, um, hmm. as a refugee, that's when the gospel, that's when the, that's when God brought the gospel to Egypt. We didn't know it, but we welcomed him and we cared for him. And this is a person who now lives as a refugee here in the United States of America, but whose faith is, <laughs> uh, yeah, very deep and very wide and from whom I have much to learn. So I share that um, I share that with you today as a part of our reflection on paternalism. What uh, this temptation of the Western Church to imagine that we have the gospel and we have it right, and other people ought to experience it and do it and become like us in our Christianity. Jeff Christofferson is the author of Once You See. He's also a church planter, and he's helping us reflect together on. Um, our own blind spots in in relationship to the gospel's advance in this generation. So, um, Jeff, you know, what are you learning? What are you learning from global Christians when you start asking questions? 
I think I was sort of getting at it a little bit in that first that is that um what what we we have rationalized in fact we have embedded in our theology ways that uh ways that we should really be comfortable with the fact that God doesn't work in in our we shouldn't expect um incredible displays of God's power um we have whole theologies built around it one is called cessationalism and uh and basically it's just in shorthand of that is we shouldn't expect God to do anything around us and um that that the the power of God ended uh ended <laughs> with the the closing of the canon in the in the, the the scripture and um and and that's not what the what the world is seeing. The world is very used to demonic activity. The very is is used to um, um, seeing visibly what what Satan is doing, and then um, there the church is used to see is beginning to become used to seeing God's power, and um, and in this sort of cosmic battle of good and evil, um, they're they're on the side of Christ, which is actually you know, the overwhelming sense. And so um, I think that would be the first thing is the fact that we've numbed ourselves to those spiritual realities of the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God. And, um, and we just sort of have this, this sort of lukewarm pablum middle that has no power. And, uh, and I think that's one thing that, that uh, the persecuted church, which is the majority church, um, has something to teach us. And then secondly, um, the gospel is is something that arrests uh, people and 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 turns them uh, as crazy salesmen for this this death to life transformation. And uh, and so when you have a, a, a person or a, a person who has only experienced evil, and um, and they they they've lived generationally under that, it might be in a caste system in in India, or it might be all kinds of everything, and then they they come and understand the transforming power of Jesus Christ and the freedom that comes with that. Um, their 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 evangelism is effervescent because it just not it Christ has changed everything in them and and their whole outlook and uh and so they just become uh such exhibit A's of the power of God that that the oikos the groups around them the friends and family and and uh see this this transformation and and the gospel just runs it just travels fast because of this this uh, change in the lives of people, and so I think we have got to have sort of a, a fresh understanding that the gospel truly is good news, and um, and everything outside of the gospel is bad news, and uh, and I think we play this this game in the church that we're. Uh, we 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 want to be liked. We want to be um, sort of popular, and so we we try to balance what the world has to offer with what Christian teaches and what teachings are, and we we end up again with the kind of a watered down version. And so um, the 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 world has a different the the global majority world has a different picture of the gospel than we do and uh it's powerful it's sweet it's beautiful and uh and it it changes everything 
Yeah, um, watered down versus um, versus new wine. I just think there are so many conversations to have here. New wine requires new wineskins, um, on and on and on. Once you see is the novel Seven Temptations of the Western Church. Uh, you can connect with uh, Jeff Christofferson, the author. Jeff, as always, thank you so much. Uh, deeply, deeply appreciate you, this book, and these conversations. Hey, that's all the time we've got um, today. Thank you so much. Visit us online at MyFaithRadio.com. Download the Faith Radio app. You can take this message everywhere and share it with others. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.